true lovers, what will we do? The drive-ins have disappeared. The campfires refuse to burn. The peep shows were never not a problem. And when's the last time you heard a viewfinder click? And as for poor Saturday morning, not to mention Saturday night. Oh, true lovers and fellow travelers. What are we to do? What can you do? But pitch your head to the big inky beyond and demand. Tell me a story, you son of a bitch. And as if by magic, ancient neon fires up. A campfire crackles, quarters drop and wheels turn in glorious anthem. There's one place left, true lovers. They are calling attendance. There's a place for you. But do you dare step inside? It was raining, just like this, that night. That night I stood upon the doorstep of the last house on Mansion Marsh and rang the bell. Nothing stirred. I held the pizza high and nimble, like training, like talent had shown me. This was my last delivery of the night. I had made it door to door in seven minutes. In those days, I was careless about many things. My health, my money... My affections. But the one thing I gave the utmost care was the promise. Thirty minutes, or free. The Amity Slice golden half-hour promise. That is a promise, a prediction, a pedigree, of which I was immensely proud. I had never been tardy, and never would be. I aimed to be a safe bet, at least, when it came to that promise. I knocked. Nothing. I knocked again. Nothing. I went to knock a third and final time when... The door opened, and in the void it created stood a tall, silhouetted man in a green silk robe. Just enough illumination from inside to catch his features in the backlight. An Errol Flynn mustache, a permanently cocked right eyebrow and a flopping rip-curl of dark hair that gave the impression he'd just been vigorously making love to several people or placing first in a fencing match. Possibly both. The smile on his face was mismatched to the tone and manner in which he spoke. This should have been my first clue, that something was amiss. Oh, dear, you made it. And rather on time. Rather early. What is that, ten? No, less than ten. Barely... Eight whole minutes. I greatly underestimated the capabilities of the fine fellows at Amity Slice. I shall take note of the alacrity of your services when in future need of sustenance. Apologies for not greeting you more promptly. I was... Oh, this is a bit embarrassing, but I was... I could not locate my billfold. Where the money would be. You see, I've just moved into this house and could barely find the front door from inside. <laughs> But where are my manners? You're getting soaked. Please, come inside. It's warm and you can dry off while I look for... I didn't mind the rain, and as I've said, this is my last delivery of the night. And as I've also said, I was careless of everything but the golden half-hour and wished for a life of adventure. 
What's more of an adventure than stepping into the creepiest house in the creepiest neighborhood in town while the nervous and mysterious occupant hunts for his money? If I say the words, terrifying, crumbling old mansion, then you can paint a better picture of the house in your mind than I can describe. Now, place that picture you've painted at the far end of a cul-de-sac with no other houses, and you'll see where I am. Deep in the middle of Nope Country. And remember, it was raining. And it was night. Little made sense, and yet I went with it. The interior of the house was no less creepy and entirely avoidable, but I followed this handsome weirdo farther into his advantage, while he, very obviously, pantomimed looking for his billfold. He did so among all sorts of crates and cases and strange items strewn about the place, through chambers and rooms that all flowed into one another. And yet, not a stick of furniture. It was as if he was moving in from a museum. Or a tomb. And all by the precarious lights of candelabra and failing chandeliers and some sort of maddening antler device with old-fashioned bulbs screwed into the points, a catalogue piece from Lovecraft's Ikea. And yet, I was having the time of my life. Here I was, an humble delivery agent of the Amity Slice, keeper of the golden half-hour promise, and I was inside the weirdest house in all of Mansion Marsh, that nigh-abandoned neighborhood on the outskirts of town, where no help would be found for something to... Anyway, I was having fun. But the man in the green robe, he seemed to be growing impatient with his own ruse. Blast! Can't seem to find the bloody thing. I know this isn't the way you probably usually do things, but... By chance, you wouldn't possibly be willing to accept an... an alternative form of compensation? I suppose I should come clean. I knew when I ordered that delicious-smelling disc that I did not have the currency to pay for it. <laughs> I never do. I don't really believe in the stuff. Money, not pizza. No, money causes problems. <laughs> well, then, I would say that, wouldn't I? Case in point, not having money is a problem as far as paying you goes. You've delivered and I have not paid. But I can pay, just not in money. What would you say to a wager? I said yes. No need for suspense. I said yes. I'm already in the house, even if I hadn't said yes. I've already said yes. There is a reason the only care I took was the golden half-hour. The quicker I completed delivery, the faster I arrived, the more time there was for... shenanigans. I was born too late to have lived it up during the golden age of delivery, that age of the delivery driver as explorer and bon vivant. But I'd heard the tales from the old-timers. Tales of randy housewives, office parties come hostage situations, teenage ragers that assumed whole school districts, all needing that key ingredient, the pizza pie. And only one brave, bold bravo could bring the gold to the people. And of course he took his reward, in cash and in kind, whatever that was. The old-timers weren't always clear on how their adventures ended. The, the delivery game is cruelest to memory. 
That's why I kept the promise of thirty minutes of free. For the stories. That's why I said yes before I said yes to a wager with a man in a green robe. Let's make it simple and fun. You have places to be, much more important and frivolous than this, wink nudge squared. And I want a slice before it's cold. So, steaks. As you can see from all these rooms, I have acquired quite a bit of stuff. In fact, this very manor is one of the stuff I've acquired, spoils of a sporting life. For that is the economy, the currency I value. The wager. So, let's say if you win the wager, you can have any one spoil. No matter how large or infamous, valuable or cursed, it's yours. All for the price of a pizza. And if I win, well, <laughs> to put it bluntly, you eat the cost. You could do that out of your tips for this evening and not even feel it. I'd wager. Ah, here we are. The game room. The man in the green robe had led me into some sort of strange room, slightly below the main area of the house. There were windows, no, more like portholes, high in one wall, letting in a little of the night's light. A long, long, long table, the kind two people who hate each other but still feel the need to take meals together might sit at, greeted us. On it were several ranged implements, bow and arrows, slingshot, paintball gun, blow dart tubes, bagpipes. At the far end of the room, a ballroom, I think it must have been when the house was less... creepified, were several improvised targets. A Greek statue covered in paint splatter, wax figures in various states of melt, which hinted that a flamethrower may have, at one time, been on the premises, and several famous stolen works of art remade by ballistic addition into wholly new pieces. Banksy be shamed. The man in the green robe offered the bow and arrows and set the terms of the wager I'd agreed to before I'd agreed. So, you take this bow and these arrows and you'll take your mark, which you must not move from, and you'll fire mm, three arrows at a target, and all you have to do is miss. No, I assure you, I'm being quite serious. All you have to do to win this wager and freely abscond with one of my precious and hard-fought-for spoils, is miss. Thrice! Three times, three misses. Because, young fellow, despite what life tries to indoctrinate into you, it is much harder to miss than to hit when you're trying to miss. I'll provide you a target, and we'll be underway. He walked out into the middle of the makeshift shooting range, and just stood there. Because when he said he'd provide a target, he meant it. He meant himself. Sure, I was shocked. But as I've said, I was also 99% reckless. Here I was, living my own tale from the Golden Age. And no one said no in the Golden Age. I set down the pizza, knocked an arrow, and stood on my mark. I pulled back the arrow and aimed dead at the man in the green robe. Oh, don't worry. I then smiled and diverted my aim thirty degrees. <laughs> Missing is easy. I don't know what old green robe thought he was on about. But with his right hand, 
he made a slight gesture, a universal one. Bring it in a little. So I did. It was still a good twenty or so degrees off the, uh, ahem, target. But then, the target gestured to bring it in even more. I froze a little. This was getting close. Not too close, but close. I was only fifteen degrees off now. My right hand was starting to throb. I was getting desperate to take the shot. But old Greenrobe kept gesturing. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Until I was only about three degrees off from perforating his center mass. I was close enough for something to go wrong. But I was in it. I was in my own golden age. And no one in the golden age doesn't take the shot. Just missed. I just missed! I'd never been so happy in my life to have not succeeded to feel like a winner by beefing it. But I hadn't won yet. One down and not shabby. You take direction well, and I only almost saw you flinch. It's good to know there are still a few persons of quality out there, those willing to get stuck into the sticky bits. But it is rather easy to miss a stationary target, even with a close shave. But can you miss a body in motion? <laughs> You'd think it easier, the old axiom about moving targets and their ensuing difficulties. It becomes a whole different maelstrom of physics, however, if you're trying to miss. And then he shot off like an electrified jackrabbit with a self-inflicted head injury, like a suicidal pinball in a sabotaged machine, full tilt for self-destruction. It didn't matter where I aimed. He was there, up, down, degrees, and wide berths. Before I could loose, a green robe cloud materialized in my field of fire. Sweat on my fingers, the fingers crooked on the string, threatening to slip. At this rate, I couldn't miss! The glory of golden ages was starting to fade, replaced by hazy visions of a mad rush to a hospital, and then questions, questions, questions! Nothing of this night would hold up to questions from police, from my employer. There was only one way this would end, and that was the end of me. But only if I kept trying to miss. If I tried to hit, or if I didn't try at all, I might just have a chance. So I closed my eyes and let the string slip from my sweaty fingers. I could not open my eyes. If I did not open my eyes, the outcome could not be known. It would be both hit and miss. It would be Schrodinger's arrow. But the man in the green robe had no taste for the challenges of the unknown. Jolly bloody good shot. Really incredible. I couldn't have made that shot in a million. You really should open your eyes. Missed me by a mile. Quite incredible. You're really a talent. Seriously, open your eyes. Morning, sunshine. That's two, one more, and Robert's your father's brother. But between us two gentlemen of sport, why don't we make this last one a bit of a challenge? Only fair, since you've proven yourself possessed of preternatural abilities. Let's see, let's see. What can we do for a bit of an extra challenge? Oh, I know. If you can miss me with your eyes closed, certainly you can miss me with your eyes open. In the dark. Where am I? 
What was his game? Did he want me to shoot him? Am I over here? Is this what rich, perverted weirdos who are rich but somehow don't believe in money do with all their free time? Or am I I didn't even know where to start aiming. His taunts bounced around the room, giving no clue to where he was or wasn't. I was sunk. Nothing to do but knock, pick a point, and fire. Where even it was impossible as the situation was constructed. I felt nothing but defeat. There was no way I could miss. Where, oh, where, oh, where am I? And then I saw it. Just before the thunder. Lightning. Am I behind you? Flash of bright light through the high portals, illuminating the room. And the man in the green robe, unmoving, staring, smiling at me malevolently. Mere feet from me. Or am I nowhere at all? That one gave me chills. <laughs> that could be my one saving grace. The lightning would show me where not to shoot. But... I would have to muster all my wit and senses and reflexes if I had a mite of a mote of a chance. I knocked my arrow. I took aim straight down the middle of the room. How do you know you're not aiming right at me? And I waited. And I waited. Are you trying to hit me? That's not the bet. You can't count for lightning. You just have to be ready. Ready. Be ready. Fire! Did I? Did I? I did. I did it! I missed! I missed! I missed! I missed! <laughs> I, I put down the bow. I dropped the arrows. I picked up the pizza box, still warm. I would be done with this night. My one safari into the golden age. But this night would not be done with me. Ebra! Though. Yes, indeed, that was, that was quite something. Something spectacular indeed. I must confess, when I first opened the door and saw you on my doorstep, I didn't think you'd be so much fun. But you have surprised, and surprised is worth so much. Bra... Bevo. Well, now that you've seen how this all works, you've got a real sporting chance for the main event. Oh, what's that look for? Oh. Oh, dear. Did you think... Oh, you didn't. You didn't think I meant the bet was for you to miss me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that is a laugh. No, dear boy, I think I was quite clear. The wager was not for you to fire an arrow at me and miss. The wager was for you to miss the arrow I fire at you. You have to miss. He aimed right at me. Any look of play was gone from his eyes. He meant to strike me. Dead and true, only I could miss. But how? There was nowhere to run, not a corner to hide. There was no trick of light or sound to aid me. I had walked into a trap, a trap set with a single phone call in simple order, and my eagerness to keep a promise, purely for selfish, decadent reasons, was about to impale me. 
and all I had left was the spoil of selfishness. Hot in my hands, a sad and simple pizza box. This pathetic promise. Wait, wait! You lose! <laughs> you lost! He looked about to start laughing, but stopped when he saw my smile. I knew something he did not. And he did not like that. Uh, this wager is null and void. It, it doesn't matter. Never should have been entered into. No, no. You lost the first bet we made. The one before this. He looked perplexed with fury on deck. My continuing smile did not help his lineup. But I carried on. You didn't make the bet with me. You made it with Amity Slice, of which I am an agent and representative, deputized to carry out that bet. The same bet we make with every order, with every customer. Do you recall what that bet is? Can you remember the terms of our wager? 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Oh. It's free. That's right. That's the wager. The bet. The terms. And I have never lost that bet. You owe. I don't have to miss. You have to pay up. You have to pay up. The arrow's tip was aimed dead center at my throat. There was no upside to him honoring the terms of our wager, our prime wager. He could shoot me dead, and no cry would go up, no search party sent. The only thing that would keep me breathing and unskewered was the honor of a sporting man. You're not gonna welch on me, are you? Then he smiled, and he lowered the bow. And that's why Amity Slice Training Class number 2204-7, we mean it when we say 30 minutes, 30 minutes, or it's free. Because that 30 minutes, that golden half-hour promise, it may, just may, save your very life. It did mine. It did mine. And thus ends a totally not autobiographical tale. Tonight's odds-on favorite diorama was titled Peril by the Slice. It was written, read, recorded, and wrought by Ryan McClary, which is still me. You can find the diorama on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. While you're there, why don't you subscribe and leave a rating and review? Every little help helps. You can visit our homepage at die-orama.com. And if you feel like writing, or if you have a cursed treasure to get rid of, or a bounty you want hunted, you can email us at dioramadispatch at gmail.com. The diorama will resume in two weeks with a story of savagery and side hustles. Until then, true lovers, knock on the door, go in the house, and say yes to whatever is asked of you in the diorama. Ha 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 ha! Ha ha!